You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, Dub Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Collaborative Warriors podcast. He's Brady. I'm Jazz. Coming off a crazy, and I mean crazy, 120-112 win in overtime over the Miami Heat on Wednesday. Man, Brady, well, we're going to jump into this first because I had no clue that, like, I was, like, they're done yesterday. A, when I found out that Draymond Green had, you know, had to, had to miss the game with ankle soreness, I'm like, this is probably not looking good because they're taking on a team with Bam Adebayo and the Heat, as much as they're struggling, pretty deep up front, even with Kelly Olenek, uh, obviously without Wiseman and Looney already. And then you're watching this game and they're like, they just felt like they were down by 15 the entire time. And I, and I was waiting to do the recap. And as it got into the fourth quarter and I'm like, oh, they're right on the cusp of getting it under five. They'd get to seven, they'd get to six. And I was kind of waiting for them to, you know, eclipse that mark. And I'm like, okay, now I have to focus on writing the recap. But then it just felt like they were struggling. They were struggling. And Kent, Kent Bazemore was awesome in the win against the Heat. I mean, I, there's no way that they win that game. But you're watching that fourth quarter. What is going through your head at this point as they started to narrow the gap? I was just confused, first and foremost, <laughs> to be honest. Like You are a lot you, of the time anyways, but last I night am, you had a little bit more. I, okay. I live in a just a perpetual state of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, man, it, it was just – it was a game that they had no business – winning i mean you have no centers you have no draymond green and steph curry is having one of the worst shooting nights of his career there's there's just no reason whatsoever that they should be in that game and you know everything we know about the team going to the going up to this point in the season was well if you don't have draymond green and steph curry is not shooting the lights out you're you can't do anything this is the team that's just like it's been dre and steph and then nothing else and so i was just I was confused. Like, how are, how are you doing this? How, where is this coming from? And uh, like you said, Kent Bazemore was just out of this world. Awesome. Um, there were key plays kind of all over the place from Wiggins and Ubre and Pascal. And then of course, you know, Curry became Curry when it mattered most, which was important, but I was just, my, my mind was blown a little bit for all the amazing things that the Warriors have done in the last, you know, six or seven years this was one of the more surprising things that I've seen, I think. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you on that because like I said, it, it, it's, it's been a weird season for the, for the Warriors so far, you know, and, 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 you know, beating the Heat yesterday, it's the first three game winning streak of the entire season. They're now three games ahead of 500 for the first this time. Two game winning season. streak though. There's three games, the three games above 500, but it's just a two game winning streak. They still have. Oh, that's right. Sorry. That's, that, that's what I meant to say. They're three games above uh, three games above 500 for the first time all, all season. And when you're looking at that, you know, to me, they've played well enough at times that it's been like, okay, they should have gotten some some better breaks, and they've also looked terrible. I mean, don't get don't get me wrong. We've seen yeah. some games where you're like, man, these guys deserve to get deserve to get ran out of the gym, and they did. But it was it was a weird game yesterday, and I wrote about this in the recap too. I said, this to me seems like the type of win that can get a team rolling. 
You know what I mean? And and I, I don't get me wrong. I don't think the the Warriors are going to be able to to beat the the big boys in the NBA. They just they just don't have the horses to do it right now. And and we've mentioned this before, and we're going to mention it probably every single podcast that we do. That if they had Clay Thompson, things would be would be very 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 different, and they were healthy. But right now, it doesn't look like it. Do I still think that they're able to compete with? a team like the Phoenix Suns, a team like the Portland Trailblazers. Absolutely. So I think they can find a way to get up to maybe a five or six seed. So they're not in the, in the play in, in the play in kind of a bracket there. But when you look at, when you look at how they won that game and, you know, getting the production from the bench, you know, we mentioned Bazemore. He was awesome yesterday at 26 points uh, season eye for him. And then you're looking at, at some of the other guys, Eric Pascal, he hit double digits with 11. It's so important for the Warriors to get production from the bench. Right. And it, we, we know that when when they get production from the bench, that Curry's averaging 30 a game, he's second in the NBA. You know, they're going to have enough points from those guys. Wiseman's capable of scoring 12, 13, 14 a night. So they're OK from the starting lineup. But when you look at their bench, is do you think they'll ever get to a point this season that they'll they'll get a consistent amount of production? Or is it just going to be a roller coaster like we've seen throughout the year? I think it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster, to to be honest. But I do think it'll it'll get a little better, a little more consistent because you know we've talked about this pretty much every episode here that like the Warriors system is is unique, and um, I don't know if complex is necessarily the right word, but it's is really unique and it's hard for players I think to get used to. Um, so you know, in my head, it makes sense that it would take a while before players start to really get used to it. And you look at you know, Baysmore, sure he played for the Warriors a long time ago, but this is his first year in the system. This is Pascal's first year with Kurt playing with Curry. Uh, and that's a huge adjustment, even though he's mostly in the bench unit and whatnot. And then you, yeah, you know, sorry, you Eric, you're, you're not the focal point of the offense. After last year, you know? Um, and so you kind of go down the, the list with the bench players and it's a lot of players who, you know, they don't have that Andre Godala, Sean Livingston, who's been in the system playing with Curry playing with green really used to the way the offense works. Damian Lee is, you know, the closest thing they have to that. And, and even his experience with the Warriors is pretty low. So I think as the year goes on, we're going to see more, uh, you know, consistent performance. We're going to see fewer games from the, the bench where they combine for like eight points and 10 turnovers, the way that they've had a few of those games uh, this year. But, you know, we also need to be realistic and, you know, Kent Bazemore isn't going to be an X factor, uh, most games you know I, I love the guy he's a good player but you know he's a he's a seventh or an eighth guy on a team he's he's not going to be that guy that you can rely on to give you 15 to 20 points off the bench and, and make huge plays down the stretch oh yeah and they're, and they're I think they were hoping that Pascal would kind of be the the sixth man not technically in chat I don't think he was they're realistic enough to know that he probably wasn't going to challenge to win sixth man of the year but they were hoping he'd be that guy who'd come in and provide double digit points and he, he's done a fairly good job of it so far I I do agree with you the the especially the guard depth I mean with Wanamaker he's up and down and Brad Wanamaker again solid NBA veteran not going to change a game for you right Kent, Kent Bazemore like you mentioned I mean the game of his life, you know, in terms of the NBA, in terms of, you know, the last few seasons, the way he played uh, against the heat again, he's not going to do that consistently, but you know, I, I, and I was looking over the numbers and you look at the stats, right? The Warriors are a top five, uh, top 10 scoring team in the NBA in points per game. They're sitting in fifth in, in defensive rating second in opponents field goal percentage. The metrics are there like, okay, wow, these guys should be a little bit better than their record is showing. Why do you think they've done a little bit worse than 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 maybe the the numbers indicate that that they could be a little bit better? Maybe up in you know five games, six games over five hundred. But the, like we mentioned, first time all season now they're three games up on it at sixteen and thirteen. What do you think that is is the main reason why maybe there's that two or three game difference that that will make will make a huge impact? You know, come come time for the end of the year. 
You know, to me, the biggest thing is is they have a small margin for error, um, and they've had a pretty difficult schedule to this point. Uh, and they've just they've had a lot of games. You know, my mind goes back to that first game against the Clippers that they lost at. I want to say by like seven points or something like that. Or you go to maybe the Pacers game uh, that they really should have won that game. And there are just a lot of games where they played good teams and just didn't quite get everything clicking the way they need in order to beat those good teams. So the schedule's done them no favors. And, and you know, they just have some exploitable bits with, with the weak bench, with the lack of reliable scoring options after Curry. They've got a lot of good things, but they also have a lot of holes that the good teams can take advantage of. And they've just ran into those good teams a lot. And those good teams just look a lot better than them, you know? Especially, um, especially good... in the first six minutes of the second and fourth quarter, right? Exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. They just have, they have no answer there against the good teams, you know, and that, you know, how often have we seen that this year where the, it's like, Oh, this looks like a game they can win after the first quarter. And then by the time Curry and green come back in at the halfway mark of the second quarter, you're fighting an uphill battle. And it's just once you get behind and you have to fight from behind, everything has to work right to get back into it. We saw that against the heat, right? Like they did come back from that big deficit, but everything had to work just for it to get to overtime, you know, and just so many times they've got in that hole once they've gone to the second unit and they haven't had everything click perfectly to get back into it. Well, and that, and that's the thing, like, like you're mentioning, I I've noticed that too, in their wins, like you're talking about their losses in their wins, those 12 minutes of the game, they tend to do pretty good. Like their bench yeah. has been, and that's where, that's where it comes with the ups and ups and downs that we've seen all season is when they, when they're coming into the game and you're like, they, and they've, you know, give credit to Steve Kerr. He hasn't been rigid with his, with his rotations. He's not sitting there going, Hey, I got to go with on uh, Andrew Wiggins for with the second unit. You know, he tried Wiggins, he tried Ubre, he tried staggering the minutes. So they had green out there for a little bit when, when Curry was off. And, and so he is trying. And I think he, he's looking at it as a, damn, this is a work in progress. Like we're not going to get this figured out in terms of by the time, you know, February ends, this is going to take us into, as we get closer to the playoffs, I think that they're going to finally start to be like, okay, this is, these are the guys that I can trust. These are the guys I want to play in this situation. And he does have a bit of an advantage where, yeah, you don't have maybe great options off the bench. You have some very solid options off the bench, but you can kind of change things up depending on the opponent because they don't have, like we're seeing this now, they're playing virtually positionless basketball with, with Wiseman and, and Looney on the sidelines. And, and the good news is if you don't know, those guys should be back at some point during the upcoming four game road trip. But if you look at, at, at how he's done it, like I, I'd still give him a, a, a Steve Kerr to me has always been an A plus coach, you know, just the way he's ran things. And, and I get, it's a complex system, but he's doing it in something that fits his players. And if you look at when Wiseman comes back and Looney comes back, we're not going to see like the heat yesterday. It looked like I was watching a game from the 1990s. Because the Heat were just like, hey, bam, get down on the block. We're going to feed you the ball. Kelly Olenek, go to work, do a nice little mini hook, you know, from the going towards the middle of the paint. And that's what they were trying to run. And post we up, post up, post up, post up. And then and they got the, the dubs got killed on the boards, you know, yesterday. I think they got out rebounded. Uh, what was it? 50 to uh, 50 to 45. But they were they were down a lot going into that fourth quarter, which is when they made up made up a lot of that difference. But when you're watching the, the way they play. If when once Looney and Wiseman do get back, and like I said, we're hoping it's in the next week here, how much of a difference do you think they're going to make? Or do you think that they're going to kind of be up and down again, like we've seen when they were in the lineup prior to the Celtics game, which was when uh, Looney went down? Yeah, I think, you know, your point there about 
about Kerr being a little bit flexible is a really important part of that equation because we've seen the Warriors play some of their best basketball of the season since Looney and Wiseman got injured and they've been forced to go small. You know, Draymond Green's playmaking when starting at center has just been out of this world. Uh, the shooting's been better. The offensive flow has been better. They've been scrappier, even though they're, you know, getting destroyed uh, under the hoop with rebounds and, and post-ups and whatnot. So to me, so much just depends on how much Kerr is willing to kind of uh, adapt to that and play a little bit more small ball, even when the centers are healthy and utilize when is it in your advantage to play small and when do you need to put a big body like a Looney or a Wiseman out there? Because I think, you know, Looney's a really good player. He, he's severely underrated in my book because he just doesn't score much, but he's such a versatile defender. He's so smart. He makes, makes great decisions, rarely does head scratching things. Wiseman, obviously, you know, we know he's raw, but he's a, a freak of nature. He's so versatile offensively. Both of those guys can provide so much to the Warriors right now. But if the Warriors just insist on playing, you know, a center in the lineup 40 minutes a night, I think those two coming back isn't really going to be much of an advantage. If you start playing more small ball, now you're mixing and matching the matchups, like you said, to get the right players on the court at the right time. Those guys can really help you out. Yeah. And then that's where, you know, even around the rim, like we saw Wiseman developing that and where he's, you know, he can catch anything. He's got like inspector gadget arms. You can throw the ball, ball up to him and he's going to catch it and, and, and flush it down. So I think that'll give him another bit of a, of another dimension in terms of having somebody play above the rim, which, you know, then maybe Ubre Wiggins, we've seen it from time to time. They're not really attacking the rim with, with ferocity. A lot of them are, are jump shots and that's because Curry's taking a majority of, of the looks. I have to ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Uh -oh. Here we don't, go. don't be, and, and don't chicken out and give me the politically correct answer, right? Which All you've right. been known to do, right? Brady, which you've been, I, I'm just talking, you know, the sports media industry, I do do we this. talk about it. We're like, Brady, you know, he likes <laughs> to take the easy way out sometimes. This is my reputation in, in the sports media universe. That's right. That's right. And you know what? We're trying to, we're trying to help you out here a little bit. So I'm giving you a little bit of an alley-oop here. That. Yeah. You can flush it down just like Wiseman at any point. If you had to pick one Warriors player who you've been most disappointed with this season, who would it be? Wow. That's actually a hard one because I I feel like, honestly, I, I feel like there's a strong case for for Eric Pascal, which is I know not going to be a popular answer, um, but I I just feel like you know he hasn't necessarily shown uh, a great improvement from from last year, and he hasn't shown an ability to play next to Draymond Green, which was the big question, um, but. I have to say, you know, despite how well he's played in the last few weeks, I still think it has to be Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, in my eyes. Uh, I think he has a chance to change that very soon. Um, he's really trending in the right direction, uh, but he still looks like a player whose jump shot isn't quite there, who is confused by the offensive system, who gets the ball and has tunnel vision for the rim and forgets that he has the greatest shooter and arguably the greatest offensive player of all time on the court with him. And he just kind of gets tunnel vision and goes straight to the rim and puts up an eight foot floater that misses badly. Uh, and, Oh, he's missed so many dunks, which is just it's really <laughs> funny. It's, it's, it's comical how many dunks he's missed, but he is trending in the right direction. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's looking like those GameStop stocks were a few weeks ago. Um, but, uh, if you look at the full body of work from the season right now, for me, it has to be Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, that's a, that's a fair answer. I mean, I like we, when he started the season, we were like, 
damn, this is Kelly Oubre Jr. Like what all? I used to see his highlights on SportsCenter. He looked pretty good because he don't, I wasn't watching many Phoenix Suns game last year. I'm not going to lie. But I mean, I'm with you. I, I've seen him start to start to get better. And, and I've mentioned this before in, in some of the recaps that I've done too, where I'm focusing on kind of three takeaways from it is when Oubre lets the game come to him, he's a different player. You know, when 100%. he's not forcing it and he's taking the, the short corner, the, the three pointers and uh, or he's, he's even taking the, the jumpers from there. Like, you know, it, he feels comfortable and you can tell when he's attacking the rim, he's doing it methodically. When he was just catching it and putting his head down, man, he, he, he looked bad. We'll wrap up. We'll wrap up on this. They're heading out on a, on a four game East Coast trip uh, starts off Friday in Orlando. Then they go Charlotte. They take on the Knicks and the Pacers. Brady putting you on the spot again one more time since we know you love the spotlight. So we do have to ask you this. What's a record at the end of this four games? How many do they um, win? How many lose on the on the trip? I'm going to say they go three and one. Um, you know, I think they're playing three bad teams and one good team. Um, and I think they're starting to figure some things out. I think they're going to get a little bit of a, an emotional boost when one or two of those centers return as they're expected to uh, during the trip. Um, I'm assuming Draymond will play all four of those games, though that's not certain. Uh, I just, I think the Miami win really gave them a boost, gave them some confidence in what they're capable of doing when they trust each other, when they play loose, when they play smart, when the ball is moving. Um, I think they're going to run into some not great teams. And even though they're on the road, they're going to get that three-game winning streak and they're going to have a winning road trip. There you have it. Brady, going out you on a heard it saying here he, first. There you go. There's two two th- separate things that Brady finally said concrete today. Number one is that Kelly Oubre is having the most disappointing season and that the Warriors will go three and one on this upcoming road trip. We're going to wrap up the podcast on this one. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also catch the audio portion on iTunes, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you get your fix. And of course, Brady is the man behind the magic at goldenstateofmind.com. We'll have you covered throughout the entire season when anything Warriors related. Again, that does it for this episode, and we'll catch you all again next week.